We believe that you can build an amazing life of significance by serving fewer, wealthier clients extremely well. We also believe you can do it faster and with less effort than you ever thought possible. Let us show you how to race up the hierarchy of advisor success. Welcome to the Preeminent Financial Advisor Podcast. I'm Paul Loftes at CEG Worldwide and at CEG, the number one coaching firm for financial advisors. We believe you can build and have an amazing life of significance by serving fewer but wealthier clients and doing it extremely well. CEG Worldwide is a coaching firm that helps financial advisors accelerate their success and build simple yet elegant wealth management businesses that are indispensable to the right affluent clients. And I'm Catherine McBreen from CEG Insights. CEG Insights was born of a strategic fusion of two industry powerhouses, Spectrum Group, a leader in affluent investor research, and the research team of CEG Worldwide, the number one coach for financial advisors. With over 20 years of affluent investor research and extensive coaching experience, CEG Insights empowers senior executives to engage with financial advisors, sharing insights and actionable steps for sustainable organic growth. Well, a great big welcome to all of you out there. My name is Paul Lofties, co-host of the Preeminent Advisor podcast. And of course, the podcast is brought to you by CEG Worldwide, the world's leading coaching and consulting firm for financial advisors who are committed to play to win, to move up market, and to work and serve higher net worth clients. And we are privileged to be with you on this journey. And I'm Kathy McBreen, the other co-host of the podcast. Welcome. We're happy you're here. Yeah. Well, everyone, this is our inaugural episode of the Preeminent Advisor podcast. And first thing I want to say is, Kathy, I, I'm just really grateful and feel you know such a privilege to be able to co-host this podcast with you. Um, I've got such a tremendous respect for what you have done in the industry and, and research, and we're just going to have some great things to share with the audience. So I, I, I'm just so happy to be here with you. Well, thank you. I'm really excited too. I think the combination of your knowledge about how advisors can apply um, these skills and this information and and our under underlying information will be really helpful. Yeah. So a, as we get started here in some 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 of you may have listened to our trailer podcast that they're called but since this is our first official episode you know just some uh, some framing for what we're going to be talking about in this series and today is again the name of this podcast is the preeminent advisor podcast and when we talk about being the preeminent advisor what we're talking about here is you being the go-to the, the most distinguished professional advisor in your community, that when somebody thinks of a financial advisor, especially those you know high net worth individuals, you know, you're the name that comes to mind. You're the advisor that has the reputation that you're the one that they want to work with. So you are distinguished and you are preeminent in their community. That's what we're shooting for, right, Kathy? Right. And the goal is that 
We do research, CEG Insights does research with investors, and our goal is to share that research with you so that the decisions you're making, the steps that you're taking, they're all based on research instead of just, there's a lot of everybody out there is saying, oh, I know this, or my clients think this, or I know what everybody says, but this isn't what everybody says. This is research. This is really what people think. So I think that it's a great way to base some of the findings that we have and base some of the practices that you're implementing on real fact. Yeah, I, I'm one of those people that have a lot of opinions, Kathy, about what advisors <laughs> should be doing. And uh, over the years, some people have thought some of them were pretty good, but you're absolutely right. What we're going to talk on this podcast about is, you know, a combination of best practices and then the research in the high net worth market and also the research of what top advisors are doing out there and, and how you can put those things together to be the preeminent advisor in your community. And, and Kathy, the first thing I wanted to highlight, you know, for our listeners, just as some framing, is, you know, what it takes to be the preeminent advisor. Uh, really, the number one thing is a purposeful commitment to be the preeminent advisor is at the end of the day, the strategies and tactics that can help somebody elevate their game to be the preeminent advisor in their community, to be somebody that's comfortable working in a high net worth market, it's, it's pretty well defined. And we're going to share with you a lot of these things here that we absolutely know that work. But what matters is making a commitment to be that preeminent advisor and playing to win. You know, we work in an environment, th th this is a business where it's 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 pretty easy if you gain a certain level of success, Kathy, to be fairly happy and, and to rest on your true. laurels, right? Right. Yeah. But to be able to continue to bring in new clients or to service the clients that you have in the way that you want, you have to be aware of what's going on because it's also easy for them to move their assets to somebody else. So. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to, you know, on this podcast, it's going to be about becoming that preeminent advisor. It very much a theme is going to be play to win, you know, that commitment to be preeminent and not just playing to play or playing not to lose, but playing to win. And, you know, it, it, as we get into here in a moment, some of the research in our, uh, you know, the topic of uh, our initial conversation today, you know, th there has, in my opinion, Kathy, never been a better time for an advisor to make this commitment to be preeminent and to try to move up market to work with higher net worth clients and, and yeah. really distinguish themselves B in because of what's happened, you know, in, in the environment over the last, you know, 12 to, to 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people aren't unhappy with their advisors when the market's going up, 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 and they're not losing any money. But you know, that isn't necessarily what's been happening the last couple of years. It's a little bit, been a little rockier. So it makes them reassess their relationships or maybe become even more demanding than they've been in before. So yeah, this is a really good time to be thinking about what you're doing and how you're doing it, not only to increase the loyalty that you have with your own clients, but to reach out to people who are probably upset with their existing advisor who may not be paying attention to them or talking to them about things that they want to hear. Yeah, such a great time to do it. As we were talking about this before we uh, before we kicked off today, is if you go back to the financial crisis of 2008 and you kind of fast forward to uh, 2021, 2020, uh, up until 2022, it, it was really pretty smooth sailing in, in, in the markets. 
And you also got to think about just the amount of wealth that was created in that 10, 12, 14 year period, whether it be in the real estate market, whether it be in the, the stock market, uh, entrepreneurs with their businesses, there is just, there's never been as many wealthy people in our country as there is now, but a lot of them didn't have that type of wealth prior to 2008. So they've, they've yep. never been, you know, it's the old Mike Tyson, you know, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face is you, you've got a lot of people that have never experienced the volatility, the inflation, all of these things that have become a reality again in the last 12 months. And so again, so many, even of the high net worth individuals are concerned about the advice that they're getting. So this is just a great time to distinguish yourself as a preeminent advisor. You'll see as we talk about some of the research, you know, we always talk about the size of the wealth market and overall the wealth market for those people who have a million dollars more has continued to grow. But part of it's because some of the people at the highest wealth levels have actually fallen back in the last few years because the market's been kind of overwhelming to them. So it's re and it's also a time when we're seeing like the satisfaction levels with invest financial advisors has fallen a little bit. Yeah. So that's something we're going to talk about and what you can do to make sure you're not one of those people that's, you know, not scoring as highly. Yeah. So let's jump into the the research and then our uh, our strategy for today on becoming a preeminent advisor, which is, is, is going to surround the idea of contact with your clients and the quality of contact. Sure. So this particular research we're talking about today was done last August, and we did it with people who had over a million dollars of investable assets. And as we break things, you'll see in some of our charts, we usually break them between those people who have a million to 5 million, 5 to, to 10 million, and 10 to $25 million of investable assets in this particular case. As we, as you will see in the podcast that we have to come, sometimes we break it in different ways and look at different levels of wealth. But for today, that's what we're talking about. And we always, um, we do this on a regular basis. Like I wouldn't say monthly, it's like every six weeks we go out and we do research. So the research we're talking about today may seem old, but it's really not that old. And the trends that we're going to talk about today are continuing as we continue continue to do research. This this year in 2023. So um, it's kind of exciting to talk about, but you'll see what's interesting is this research is a lot different than the research that we did from 2008 till 2020, because we are getting different results all of a sudden. Yeah, absolutely. So let's look at our finding that we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about today and what advisors can do about it they want to make that commitment to be a preeminent advisor. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, with everything going on that we talked about in the framing leading up to this conversation, you and your team went out, asked the high net worth clients, how do they feel about the service that they're getting from their financial advisors right now? And tell us what you heard and also, Kathy, give some context as to how this is different than the previous 10, 15 years. Okay. So um, you can see here, I don't know if you want to make it bigger so everybody can see it better. Um, we asked people, basically, how do you rate your advisor's service in the current environment? And the current environment being, um, you know, it's a little bit some people have a strong opinion that there's a recession, even though it's not technically within the um 
the de definition of a recession, but a lot of investors will say that there's a recession. And so we ask people, what do you think? How's your advisor been? Has he been out there talking to you? Are you getting good service? You know, overall, how do you feel? And you can see mostly only a small percentage, like less than 30% rated their investors performance, their advisors performance rather as excellent. Um, roughly half or a little more than half rated it as, you know, good, not great, but good. And then the others basically, which probably if you add those two 30%, roughly, if you added all those, those percentages together or 20%, more than 20% really rated their advisors performance as neutral to poor and or fair, you know, just not so great. And that's not a really good finding. I mean, in the past, what we found is usually and what we believe is you should find your advisor's performance to be, you know, 80 to 90% should be rating you as excellent. And this is a really big shift because only 80 to 90%, not even 80% are really rating you as good or excellent. So that's something that if, financial advisors need to worry about. They need to really think about what is it, what are they doing and how are they dropping the ball? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think, Paul? Well, first of all, I want to make sure I understand what, what, you, what I just heard there, because I think it's really powerful. Mm -hmm. So in the past, when you go out and you do these advisor satisfaction studies, um, what you would see, what I think I heard is what you would see is you would see uh, clients rating their advisors excellent up near the 80% level. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, and, definitely. Yeah. And then all of a sudden in 2022, the floor drops out and we have, uh, you know, between 25 and 30% of advisors rating their, uh, or excuse me, clients rating their advisors as excellent. You got between kind of 40 and 50% that say it's good. But then we've got if it's the one to $5 million clients, you've got almost 30% who are neutral, fair, or poor. And right. I, I, I'm just going to tell everyone, in my experience as a wealth management executive at our firm, if service is neutral, it's it's poor. I'm concerned about that. <laughs> right, because those my, are the people who are more likely to be thinking of moving. And we yeah. have other research that highlights that, especially the wealthiest people, they're the ones that are really reassessing whether they should be moving their assets to a new advisor at this time. Yeah. And why do you think, why do you think the floor has fallen out on this? So, so much. I think that there's a lot of reasons. I think that first of all, there are a lot of, there are a lot more young people that are wealthy today than, than you think about. So I want to point at the millennials because everybody thinks millennials are like under the age of 35. The reality is, you know, they're the millennials are in their forties. I mean, mm -hmm. early forties, but yeah, yeah, there are millennials in their forties. And those young people haven't really had to experience some of the things that we're experiencing today, like inflation, um, high interest rates. If you think about what they mostly experienced, it was they some of them were getting jobs granted in the early, you know, the 2007 to 2008 period, which was bad. But in the time frame since then, that's one of the biggest reasons they really don't know how to deal with high interest rates and they really don't know how to deal with inflation. And so they're thinking that their advisor should be reaching out to them and talking to them about it. And yeah. as well as the post COVID sort of markets are a little bit volatile, they're kind of like stuck. And um, somebody needs to reach out to them and discuss with them what's important and what isn't important, um, maybe reemphasizing the longer term. Because even the baby boomers today are a little, they're a little more jaded about inflation and stuff, but you know, they need a 
a discussion about what they should be doing and shouldn't be doing. Yeah, the that, that's great insight, Kathy. And I, I, I want to hone in because I just don't think we can emphasize this enough that there's never been more millionaires from a demographic standpoint, I mean, as, as there are now. And so many of them are millennials. I'm a generation X. And, and I got to tell you, I'm one of these individuals that would fit smack in the description of being lucky to be mass affluent in 2008 and mm -hmm. being pretty well off now. <laughs> and just, you know, never, like you said, never have experienced these things, level jump in wondering, and, and again, when things are going well, like they have the last 10 years, you're not that concerned about it. You don't have a lot of questions, but all of a sudden, you know, when there's volatility, when there's inflation, when there's talk about, you know, bubbles and different asset classes, you start wondering, do I have the right advisors? Am I, am, am I getting the advice? And so, you know, it also we really, again, being a preeminent advisor, we want you to think about working with these higher net worth clients. And I think it's easy to think sometimes if advisors aren't in that market right now, that this, these demographics, you know, whether it's the million, the one to five or the 10 to 25, that they're just markedly different and they're not. Some of these concerns are, you know, super, super relevant with them and some of the things that would drive them to consider changing advisors. So great, great, great stuff, um, Kathy. So what, let's talk about solutions. So what does a preeminent advisor do in a situation like this when they know this is how so many clients out there are feeling? You know, some of it's basic blocking and tackling, right? Going back and making sure that the advisor understand one of some of our research has come out recently and you'll see it sometimes in the future is that they really want somebody to go back to them and talk to them about their financial plan and their financial goals and say hey even though all of this is happening you're still on track or unless they're not <laughs> and mm -hmm. you want them to say you're not on track and this is what we need to do but that's really all they're really asking for is their advisor to proactively reach out to them and say listen things aren't as bad as they think or listen you're still on track or mm -hmm. let's make a change. But that's just not happening as often as you would think. Yeah, yeah. So let's, Kathy, let's talk about two things that a preeminent advisor will do and are doing in an environment like this. Number one is they are ramping up an insurance, ensuring frequency of contact. Um, so to put you on the spot a little bit, I mean, what's some of the data that you're hearing? We don't have to flash up on the screen, but, you know, what are you hearing about contact? What are the high net worth clients saying about the contacts that they're receiving? Overall, you know, investors expect you to be contacting them at least quarterly. That That's the largest percentage. Of, but there are others that like to be contacted more and some that like to be contacted less but they just want you to be showing an interest in them. And that may be as easy as sending out emails once in a while or blogs or however however it is that you communicate with those investors. The other thing is that as much as people might say, oh, I don't need my advisor to call me all the time or talk to me all the time. Mm -hmm. What we've always found is that satisfaction ratings are higher 
the more that you contact your clients. So even if they say, oh, you only need to call me once or twice a year, if you call them three or four times a year, they're going to be even happier. So mm -hmm. yeah, sure. They may not want you to call them once a week, but it's just reaching out and letting them know, like, I'm thinking about you during this, whatever is going on. And I want you to know this. Um, it's really communication. That's yeah. That's what make that's what drives loyalty. Yeah. So as a preeminent advisor, here here's what you should be thinking about when it comes to contact. Uh, number one, as part of your discovery process. So when you're, you know, going through your initial interview with with clients, make part of your question process uh, questions around contact. How often, how frequent would you like to be contacted? What style of communication do you prefer? Because uh, you're going to get people that say, oh, I prefer, uh, you know, I prefer a phone call. I prefer text message. Some say, you know, you're, you're shooting a video every week that gives some sort of update. I love that. The point is there, I mean, there, there's no answer to what is the right amount of contacts other than what that individual client tells you. So ask what they want as far as contact and then over deliver, <laughs> yep. over deliver. Absolutely. That, that, that's Absolutely. the key. Yeah. And, and make yeah. sure you're doing that. And, and, you know, the other thing that we said, I'm sorry to interrupt, but the other thing that we see is just simple things like, you know, right now with inflation, Investors want something on the website about how do you invest during an inflationary period. And those are things that you could find an article someplace to post on your website. So it's just basic things that they might be looking for that aren't that hard to do. Yeah, yeah. The second thing that I want to emphasize for everyone out there, Kathy, is not only the frequency of the contact, but the quality of the contact. And I thought you said something very profound um, a minute or so ago where it's it's just so helpful for advisors to have conversations with their clients in the framework of goals or within the framework of their personal situation and you know it's you know here's here's what this means you know what what what's happening that that's a high quality contact that's <laughs> that's not just a touch point right Absolutely. And the more that you do those, have those types, types of conversations, the more loyalty you're going to derive from your client. And we have research that shows that. Yeah. And another way to increase the quality of contacts is not every contact, Kathy, has got to be uh, based upon uh, financial nuts and bolts. In, in fact, clients want to know that you care about them and you know about what's going on with things that are important to them whether that be their interests, their children. And so, you know, outreach where you can talk about, hey, here's here's an idea that I just saw on uh, how to be healthier, how to be more fit. Um, mm -hmm. we, we put together things that uh, our advisors can use with their clients. And I remember one of our biggest things last year, Kathy, was an article on e-bikes and, you know, in exercising. And it was just super, super popular. And so, you know, a preeminent advisor is reaching out frequently, and they're also making sure that some of these contacts are about things that aren't, well, let's call them on the periphery of finance, yep. but they're things that very much show the individual that you care and that you're interested about them, and they just build the relationship. What are some of the things that you see in your research that 
clients have said, you know, that they, they appreciate <laughs> their advisors dis discussing with them. Well, you know, a lot of things are family oriented, like you said, like just somebody remembering that their child's going to a certain college and they see an article about it or something, or just, you know, remembering that there's some, a wedding planning coming up, you know, and gee, I'm your financial advisor. I know that, you know, so-and-so is getting married, you know, do you want to think about what you have to do to help finance those kinds of things? Just remembering the things. I mean, it used to be as simple as a long time ago when I was a kid. I remember we had this life insurance guy that used to send birthday cards, right? And I was a little kid and I'd get this birthday card. And I thought this guy was the greatest thing since sliced bread. I still remember his name, right? Mm -hmm. So even though some of those things seem, you know, I don't know, kind of like stupid, and I'm not saying send birthday cards, but I'm just saying just remembering that, you know, there are things going on in the lives of your clients that you might want to touch on every once in a while. Those are the things that when we do research that they bring up, oh, yeah, so my advisor remembered this. It really meant a lot to me. So those are the types of things that that you want to focus on. Yeah. So the what what we know from the research that you conducted late last year, and again, this trend has continued, is that... Um, Client satisfaction is is kind of at a historic low, right? Yeah, yeah. And preeminent a preeminent advisor takes that as an opportunity to ramp up what they're doing and doesn't make the mistake. I used to see this all the time, Kathy, with uh, the advisors in my firm. They'd see research like this and they think, well, that applies to everybody, but not them. And so, a, yep. a preeminent advisor. Absolutely. Yeah, a, a pre. You've seen that, right? Yeah. <laughs> A preeminent advisor takes this as an opportunity to realize this is a good time to be defensive with my best clients and just make sure that I'm I'm increasing my contact. I know how much they want to be contacted. My quality of contact is good um, because that's 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 just a key to maintaining those relationships. And uh, uh, some some great ideas here about uh, how to do that by making sure advisors know what their clients want, and then really systematically having a plan to, to improve the quality of the contacts. So great, great stuff. Do you have any closing thoughts for our, our listeners today? No, I think that that one thing that you need to remember is that, um, as we said earlier, younger people have higher expectations. Um, it's not that your older clients don't, but some of your younger clients have higher expectations than we've thought about in the past. And it's something to always remember, you know, they're used to getting everything at their fingertips and whether that's good or bad, it, it's something that you need to remember as you start to deal with younger investors and making sure that you're thinking more holistically about everything you provide to them. Yeah. And Kathy, to tee up some of our future conversations is on, on this podcast today, we've kind of talked about the, the play in defense, right? Uh, and, and, and the reason we did that is I often would say to advisors, Kathy, any business plan to grow your business and grow revenue in the financial services industry is based upon the the principle that you're maintaining <laughs> the, exactly. the base that you have. Closing the back door, right? Yeah. In a recurring revenue business, if you want to grow your revenue, plan number one, keep your current revenue. And so th that's why we've kind of started here today. But this is also creating a tremendous opportunity out there to bring in new high net worth clients for advisors that aren't going to do what we talked about today. So we're going to be talking about that on some of our future podcasts. 
Well, that will wrap us for today. Uh, great episode. Thanks, Kathy, for being here with us. And we look forward Thanks, to seeing Paul. everybody next time. See you next time. Bye-bye.